we've kind of been we've been thinking about this theme uh, in recent weeks, starting in September, uh, about lighting little fires everywhere. And I guess we thought initially about sort of lighting little fires for ourselves and each other of fellowship um, gathered around scripture and prayer and encouragement. Um, and it's been lovely seeing lots of little groups uh, starting to do that um, in recent weeks. Um, but I guess the last few weeks, we've been trying to think also about how we move outward in mission. My clicker is going to fail me again, is it? Can you move me on, Paul? Um, I've been thinking about, I guess, how we can carry that fire outward to our friends and neighbours and colleagues um, and thinking about mission. Um, uh, and I guess thinking about the fact that it's easy in this current climate and environment to turn inward uh, entirely, but it's good for us to look outward and think about those around us. Um, and a few weeks ago, um, I made what was maybe a strange comment uh, that sometimes some of us uh, can actually be in danger of reading too much Bible, uh, where sometimes some of us, we, we jump from sermon to sermon and Bible study to Bible study and book to book, um, looking for good stuff. But sometimes we don't allow time to kind of digest what we're reading and make sure it really sinks in and make sure we turn it into prayer and turn it into action. And so I guess kind of in that spirit, um, I want to kind of hit the pause button a little bit this week and kind of underline or highlight a couple of things that we've already mentioned uh, in recent weeks. Um, and I guess as I've been reflecting and praying and having conversations with many of you, um, I, I want to highlight two, two really simple things that I found just have repeated and recurred a lot in my thoughts and in conversation um, and just keep coming up again and again. Uh, I don't know if you ever have that experience where it seems like God is kind of using his divine highlighter to keep bringing you back to something again and again. Uh, and maybe kind of saying to us, pay attention to this. This is really important. Don't rush on to the next thing. Uh, make sure you've you've kind of got this uh, first. Um, so I want to highlight um, two things that we've already mentioned. Um, just kind of highlight them again this week. Um, and the first one is this. Um, this verse from John 4 uh, that Ricky led to us, or read, Ricky read to us uh, either last week or the week before. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Uh, and this thought has kind of followed me around a lot in recent weeks. And I guess, I guess this is the thought that is repeated in my mind and heart is that our friends and neighbors and colleagues may be more open and ready at the minute than we think they are. They may be more open and ready than maybe we had thought. Um, often we assume, as we think about our friends and neighbours and colleagues, that they're, they're kind of close to the gospel. Uh, and we often tell a story that I think is partly true uh, about our friends and neighbours. Often we'll say about them, maybe they've had bad experiences of church or maybe they carry wounds and baggage from negative experiences of uh, Christianity. Maybe they, maybe we, we tell a story where they've been aggressively evangelized in the past and now kind of have their barriers up. And so we look at them and just, we, we almost see the barrier. We think they're just, they're closed, they're hostile, they're hard, they're not open, uh, we think. Um, and so we often tend to assume we're going to need to go slowly and gently and be really patient. It's going to be a long 
a long process for people. We're going to need to let our actions speak louder than words and kind of build relationship and build trust and show kindness and show grace. And maybe over time, gradually, gradually, slowly, slowly, there might be a softening, there might be an opening that might happen. And and I do want to say, I think there's often a lot of truth in that perspective. And there are many of our friends where there's we're going to need to be really patient. And it may take a long time uh, for there to be breakthrough. But I found in recent weeks, God keeps bringing me back to these words of Jesus and others like them in the Gospels. And I've kind of sensed him saying, okay, you've looked once and said they're closed, they're hard, but I've kind of sensed him saying, look again, (laughs) look again. The fields are more ripe and ready than you think. Um, And I wanted to share with you how I felt challenged about that. And you can decide if this is also a challenge for you. That maybe sometimes the story I tell in my mind about people being closed, people being hard, people having the barriers up, is more of an excuse for my timidness. And maybe sometimes the barrier is not in their lack of openness, but in my lack of willingness and courage to step out and speak about the hope that's in me. Um, uh, when, when Jesus said something very similar in Matthew's gospel, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus seemed to be saying that there's an openness out there, there's a readiness and a ripeness out there, but the problem is in the willingness of God's people sometimes to be ready to, to go. Um, and I find myself thinking, if some of my friends and neighbours are more open than I think, um, how, how would I go about finding out? Um, and I think there's only really one way. We need, we need to be ready to take a risk and to be more direct and to be maybe more immediate. Um, and to say things like, um, I wonder, would you like to come to church with me next week? And just be direct and ask. Or to say, uh, someone shares something with us that's difficult. Would you like me to pray with you? I'd love to pray with you if you'd like. Or to say, could I share a little bit of my story with you about how God has worked in my life? Or to say, here's a book I found really helpful. I wonder, would you be interested in reading it and we could talk about it? Or here's Glenn Scrivener, as we, we sent out this week, doing a course online about the Christian faith. I wonder, would you watch it and maybe talk with me about it? Or even just to say to someone, I wonder, would you read the Bible with me? Could we read one of the Gospels together and talk about it? And just to be a little more direct and a little more immediate and see what happens. Um, and I, I, I've just kind of noticed in recent weeks, a number of you have been telling me stories where you felt stirred up to be a little bit more direct and to take those kind of risks. And I've found to your surprise that people are more open than you thought they were. Um, someone told me a story just before church this morning of this happening during the week. And they, they felt prompted by God to take a risk with a relative who they thought was closed and not interested. And they just said to them, would you, would you ever be interested in doing a little Bible study with me? And to their astonishment, they said, I would, I would really like that. And so they're looking for a Bible this morning to give to their relative so they can start a Bible study. Uh, I wonder if you sensed something similar going on. Um, I know I've said before, I think when we think about those little risks, 
it's good to think about what, what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> very, very often I think the worst that could happen is just a little moment of awkwardness. The worst that could happen is they might say, no thanks. There'll be a little moment of awkwardness and then we move on. But it's always worth thinking about what, what's the best that could happen. The best that could happen is that someone meets Jesus and their life gets turned upside down and nothing's ever the same again. Right? And all it takes is a little moment of courage to say the name of Jesus, <laughs> to be direct, to be immediate. Um, so that's kind of the first thing um, that's been stirring on me, that we need to just stay with that for a little bit. That maybe there's more openness out there than we think. And to look out for these those moments where we can take a little risk and be direct. Um, the second thing is this. Um, and Ricky was talking about this last week. Um, Ricky and I have been talking about this for a number of weeks together. Um, but this verse in Exodus chapter 4, uh, as God is preparing Moses for his mission, um, which is very different to ours, um, but God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand? What is that in your hand? Um, and for Moses, it was a, a shepherd's staff, which God then told him to throw on the ground, and God performed a miracle, and it was the beginning of God preparing Moses for uh, how he was going to use him to bring the people out of Egypt. Um, and I find myself coming back again and again to this, that if God is going to use you to reach your friends and neighbours, if God is going to reach use me to reach our friends and neighbours, um, let me say this to you. you, you don't need to become someone else. Uh, we often have this idea in our heads of a kind of super evangelist, who's super spiritual and super confident and super eloquent and just has the right thing to say all the time. And we kind of have that uh, super-powered image in our head. Um, but I want to encourage you this morning that God wants to use you as you are with your personality, with all its quirks, with your life situation right now, with all that's good about it and all that's hard about it, with your story of how God has brought you to this point in your life and the mistakes you've made and the, the the successes you've had and all of it. God wants to use you with the things that you have in your hand. Um, I was thinking, if you think about that staff that Moses had on his hand, um, what, what did that staff represent? I guess you could say in, in one sense, it represents Moses's uh, work life as a shepherd. He was working at that time as a shepherd in Midian. Um, so you could say it represents the things he's good at. I assume he was good at being a shepherd. We, I guess we don't really know. Um, it, it represents his life skills and his life experience and where he is in his work setting. And those are things that God can use in using someone in his service. Um, but if you look at that shepherd staff from another angle, um, why was Moses working as a shepherd in Midian? He, as, as Ricky reminded us last week, he was working as a shepherd in Midian because he had run away. And why had he run away? He'd run away because he killed someone. And he was no longer welcome either among his own people or among the Egyptians. And so the staff, I think, as well as representing what Moses is good at and his life skills, it also represents his story of failure and weakness and mess. It's a really messy story that had led Moses to become a shepherd. And so kind of what's been stirring in me is this, that God can use 
whenever we think about what's in our hand, we often think mainly about our abilities and our skills and the things that we're good at. And God can definitely use those. So if you're good at playing the banjo, God can use that. If you're good at talking to strangers, God can use that. If you're good at dancing, God can use that. If there's things you're good at, God can use them. But I also want to say this, that he can also use your weaknesses and your mistakes and your failures. They are also part of what you have in your hand. And if we're willing to make those available to him by kind of throwing them down like Moses did, then God is able to use us. Um, and actually, I think I think Violet gave us a great example of this last week. Uh, those who were here for the, the open time, just sharing a very simple story of how a colleague was dealing with something really painful, of a, a relationship with one of their children that was painful and estranged. And Violet took a little risk and shared a little bit of her own story of hurt and disappointment and difficulty in that area. And by, you can see how Violet threw that down and it became a little bridge where she was able to offer to pray for her colleague and it opened up conversation. And I wonder, can you see how even our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, things that we might think of as mess in our lives can become something when we make it available to God that he can use. Um, someone was telling me, just talking to someone this week, they were telling me just about a conversation with their friends where all of them were talking about how they just feel a little bit anxious at the minute and a little bit stressed and just that kind of buzz of anxiety in the background of everything. Um, and maybe the way we often think, we tend to think God can't use me until I get past that anxiety and stress. God can't use me until I'm in a good place. And once I'm in a good place, then God can use me. Um, but let me ask a really simple question. What, what if you offered that weakness to God and asked him to use you as you are right now? What if you were honest with your friends about some of the anxiety you're feeling and some of the stress that you're feeling, um, some of the things you're finding difficult right now? but also share with your friends how God is meeting you in that place. Maybe it's as simple as being able to say, here's a Bible verse that I'm hanging on to in my anxiety, that I'm praying every morning and it's really helping. And I still get anxious, but God is meeting me in that place. Um, I wonder, does that make sense? God wants to use who you are. Uh, not He doesn't want you to become someone else. He wants to use you where you are right now, not when you get to some mythical place in the future where you're strong and in a good place and all the rest. And he wants to use you today, tomorrow, in these days that are unusual that we're in. Um, And I want to encourage you, whatever is in your hand, throw it down. Ask God this week, what, what, what might that look like? If it's something you're good at, make it available to God. If it's something you enjoy and love, Make it available to God. But even the areas of struggle and weakness and failure and mess, make those available to God and ask him, could he use you uh, as you throw those down? Um, someone from church uh, emailed me last week. Um, and, and this is part of how this has kept recurring for me the last few weeks. But they, they kind of were saying that they've been thinking a lot about these two things that we've been thinking about this morning, that our friends are more open than we think they are, and that God wants to use what we have in our hand. Um, and so this this person who emailed me, um, 
has started to practice something very simple. And here's a great example of how we can do this. Uh, When they spend time with God in the morning, in scripture and in prayer, they make a note of what God has said to them that morning. It could be something very simple, but they just, they make a note of it intentionally. And then they carry that with them through the day. That's one of the things they have in their hand. God has given me something to encourage me this morning. I'm going to carry it through the day. And as they go through their day, they ask God, is there someone you want me to share this with today? It's one of the things they have in their hand. Um, And this is what they said at the end of their email. They said, I'm beginning to realize even my cool friends, people who show zero interest in God, couldn't care less about spiritual things, are actually very responsive to something that has impacted me that morning. And then they said this, they said, don't imagine that I do this every day. I'm basically a very cowardly witness, but I sense that there are times of great harvest ahead and that calls for me to be brave and intentional. I found that really honest. There's someone who's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm timid about this. I don't find this easy, but I'm sensing God just nudging me to take a risk, to take what's in my hand and be ready to make it available. Uh, to those around me. Maybe you could do something similar as you go through your days. Uh, Whatever you have in your hand, make it available and ask God how you could use it. So I'm going to shut up now. And Katrina's lingering at the door. Um, And I guess just to to introduce Katrina, um, one of the, we've been thinking maybe individually about what we have in our hand, uh, but want to think a little bit about us as a church collectively. And one of the things that we have in our hand is this building um, uh, as a resource that, that we can use to bless our neighbours and to reach out uh, to our neighbours. And for those of you who don't know Katrina, she is our centre manager of the Sandal Centre. Uh, and I've asked Katrina just to come and share a little bit of her heart for how we as a church could be using the building uh, to reach out with God's love uh, in our neighbourhood. So Katrina, genuinely take as long as you like. I had to laugh that there was a suggestion that I would take up the time. <laughs> um, so as John Mark says, he asked me just to share a little bit about what it means to have this building as something that we have in our hands. Um, and whenever MCF built the centre, it was very much for a community centre. Um, so actually, we worked out in the summer, this um, just this past summer, that on average, before COVID and everything that it, it has brought, there are literally tens of thousands of visits to this centre every year. That is largely due to Nicola and her team and how great a job they do with the cafe. But this is, I just find it incredible. I actually didn't quite believe it. Um, because for a church this size, that's, that's phenomenal that we have that amount of visits into our church building. And so I guess what my main, um, excitement or passion or desire is to see how as MCF the church how do we engage with all those people that are already coming into our church building um and so there's a two things main things that I want to share with you today but before I do I also want to recognize that I get paid to be here so it's very easy for me to stand up and say you should be involved during the week and um, before I was working here 
I was working somewhere else through the week. Physically couldn't be here. I had a small family, so I might have popped in and out. Um, and I recognised for a lot of people that is the way. But I want to encourage you to find your way of engaging with what's going on through the week. It may well be that you're just aware of the different support groups and the things that are going on, so that whenever you meet people in your life, you know that you can direct them and you find that they need something that actually is going on in the centre. You know that you can direct them back here. Um, it may be that you could be praying for some of the groups that meet in the centre. Um, or even, and this isn't a publicity drive, um, my social media is awful, but even just sharing what's going on in the centre with people through social media um, or even helping out with social media if you want <laughs> and making not be about me doing it. Um, so, and I also want to recognise the people who have got this vision and have been doing it for 20 years that the centre's been going. Um, and I would encourage you to, to seek out those people um, and spend time with them and get their heart and their vision for what's going on in the centre. But two ways, two main ways that I would love for you to think about getting involved. First of all, try to find a way to engage with the groups that are already meeting in the centre. So before the pandemic, we had maybe 30 or 40 groups a month who you were using the centre and very often on a regular basis, either weekly or monthly. A lot of them support groups who are doing incredible work. Um, and so you're not needing to come with some expertise or experience, but just getting alongside and finding out what's here, what interests you and finding out how you can maybe um, support them. Two, for example, two, two different groups that have really stuck out for me. One of them is Tiny Life. And I just, this is my opportunity to say a massive thank you to everyone who contributed to Tiny Life and um, for the gifts for the mum, mums. Um, Charlene, the support worker, was just blown away by the generosity. And whoever donated the number seven advent calendar has opened my eyes to another side of life. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so it was lovely to split that up and give out really lovely gifts to all the mums. And Charlene was actually saying that she would love to take the idea back and do it in her own church. Um, so she says a massive thank you. And I said thank you too. For me, that was just an incredibly simple way to say to the, now we focused on mums, there's some dads come too, but just because just we knew that the mums were here, to say, we know that you can't meet in our building. And um, we know that you probably aren't getting out an awful lot with small children. And so we don't want you to think we've forgotten about you. We just want to remind you that we're here, that we want to support you, and we want to encourage you in what you're doing. Um, ultimately, I would love someone from Mount Sandal to be volunteering their time to work with those tiny life mums and babies and um, I'd love for there to be connections made so that they could then be invited to jolly tots or they could um, come to different parenting events that we have that it's just a very natural connection um, they haven't they have amazing work to do because there's so many not babies now who born and survive premature births and um, that it just is becoming a bigger and bigger thing the second thing is um, there's a charity called disability action who do um, driving assessments and I always feel for the ones coming in because I just think if someone were to tell me today that I couldn't drive and have my independence I would really really struggle um, and I just I just often feel for them I would love just another very practical example people to be about they only come in months a month a wee bit more at the minute because they're catching up in tests people to be about to offer them a cup of tea and coffee and a chat if they want it not not if they don't <laughs> they'd rather be left alone um, and just, again, just form a few connections. Just sit with the family as they wait for the people, their, their 
father or their mother to be out in the cars, just sit with them and chat with them. Um, and again, very, very simple, practical suggestion. And I guess as the centre is quiet, we, we have obviously, as you can imagine, dropped down to very few groups at the minute. I just almost feel that this is a time that we can almost rebuild with an extra layer of support and encouragement. So it's not just about renting out the rooms so that we don't need to find the money to pay for the electricity, but in actual fact, it's just like a, an extra layer of we see you. We see your situation and we want to support you and encourage you in what you're doing. So let the professionals get on with what they're doing. But actually, as a church, we come in and we just surround it in prayer and support and encouragement. And I feel like this is the time that we can do it because groups are coming back so gradually that it gives us that wee bit of breathing space to sort of think about those things. Um, so those are, those are the first thing is to so engage with the groups that are already coming here. And again, very practical. The second thing, which is what John Mark's been talking about, and I find to be potentially the most exciting thing, because it goes beyond anything that I could dream up or think of by, um, by myself, and that is what is in your hands. So um, like John Mark was talking about, I too have been thinking about how so often we think about the skills and the passions and the talents and gifts that we have. But actually, Tiny Life showed me that the people who responded um, were actually those who have been through that experience of having a premature baby. Not all of them, sorry, I shouldn't say, but um, that some of them, and it actually opened my eyes to people who have been through that experience that I hadn't actually realised that they had. And it hit me that they are in a position to know exactly what those people know and know what it felt like that I just couldn't understand because I haven't been there. And so the importance of that, I think, is great. Also, people who have a certain outlook on life or a certain insight into different groups of people who maybe some of us don't even really see in our day to day. And those things have the potential to do great things because God has given you those. And if he's given you those, then if you use them for him, I believe he's going to bless them. So for me, this is very, very exciting because I just look around and think every single one of you here and at home has something. And if we just each put that into practice, I just think it could be phenomenal. Um, so I would really ask you to just let God prompt you in what that is. Um, just let him see where that takes you and take the risk. And very often working with other, the more people that come with those ideas and come with those plans and we hear about them, we can start to maybe see wee patterns and see how we can put people together and ideas together. I don't want this to seem daunting at all. In fact, even if it's just a vague idea that you have, and it might be just a vague idea about something about some, you know, something that you might have thought about, it doesn't need to be a fully fledged six week event that you're going to put on. Um, but the more that you talk about it and suss it out, you might be surprised at the other people sitting in your room who have been thinking the same thing. And I, and I know John, Mark, and Ricky would love to help that start to happen more and more. And I know it's already happening and I really don't mean to belittle those things, but I would just love to see that happen more. And I don't really have very many party pieces or skills myself, but I do love seeing people do what they're made to do. That probably is my excitement. Um, and so we'd love to see that come together. As I said, things, it might not even be that you, you might have a big event that you think would work really well or plans, but it might just be a very small thing, it might be a vague idea. Some of my favourite things that have happened um, 
in recent years was one time the grass verges along this road got so high that it was actually quite dangerous coming out of the side roads. Um, and a couple of people mentioned that they'd noticed this and someone said, right, we should just go out and cut it. Now, quite literally, the next day, the council came and cut it. So we couldn't, we couldn't act on it. But then, I think it was Nicola realised there's loads of rubbish in that grass that's been cut. So half an hour, an hour, half a dozen people came, picked up the rubbish and had a cup of tea. Not, it wasn't big, it wasn't particularly clever, but it was just so effective because they saw the problem and they acted on it. And it was a lovely evening, actually. You know, it wasn't a big... But those are the sorts of things, as John Mark says, to open your eyes, to see what's going on around you, um, and just to act on it. Just give it a go. Take the risk. We, I have, Whenever I first started here, I had, I don't know how many events, where nobody came or I had to cancel um, until I discovered Ryan with his text messaging and all his contacts. Um, I just, they didn't happen. So, but I would just, I would encourage you just take the risk. It might, you're allowed to fail. It's okay. Um, but it works then if you could start to get together with people who can bring you along on the ride, um, and help you out. And just, you can learn so much. And I love getting to know people through working alongside them. Um, we have a small, the other thing I was thinking of this week was that whenever we first had our Christmas fair, which is, quite a good success in the year. We didn't even call it a Christmas fair the first year because we were so scared we wouldn't have any stall holders. So we called it a Christmas evening so we could cover ourselves if it all went badly wrong. And uh, I was just remembering about that. And now I could probably have the fair twice in a year because people love coming to it. Um, but so just just give it a go. Say, just take time in prayer that you think about what God is asking you very specifically to do. And I don't think you're going to be alone in trying to get it up and running. So we have a small community group, um, and it's it's only women at the minute, um, some of my favourite women. And um, I'm not saying some of them are my favourite women. I'm saying they are all <laughs> my favourite women of a bigger role. Um, and we have, we've been trying to put on events um, just to try and bring people in from the community and to keep those doors open and keep contact. And they're brilliant, and they're hardworking, and they're so, so willing. But our real, real heart would be to see people coming with us, to us, with their ideas. And I can tell you, those women will back you and support you and be enthusiastic for you um, so much. I, they don't say this, I'm saying this. I don't think it's fair for those women to be, so much to be on them. I think that we need to as a bigger group be taking those things on um, and so I know that they will behind you and help you in whatever practically spiritually they will be there for you and if any men want to get involved in that it's not exclusively women it's just we lost our only man this year um, so come talk so there's there's engaging with the groups in the centre I have done out a list before about what goes on in the centre I haven't done it this time but if anybody wants to know what those groups are um, then come and talk to me. It wouldn't surprise me if, if, as you start to think about what interests you, there might well be something already happening in the centre that I can then connect you with. Um, I find that God just works in lovely ways like that. So the other thing I was thinking about was Ricky was chatting about the network course last week, and at the time it blew me away by how many people got involved in that. Um, and I would love to hear your stories about how you used what you learnt in that time to put into action. 
And maybe a slight challenge that if you don't feel that you did, maybe now is the time to do something. We are incredibly good at caring for each other as a church. And when things get back to normal, if they do, if they ever get back to normal, um, I would just love for it to be with the centre working with with another layer of the church looking out, seeing the people that are coming in through the doors. Um, We'd love to get involved with you, Ricky, John, Mark and myself. And it's not that we know all, that I don't know all the answers, um, but I just, I'd be very excited to hear about what you, God is prompting in you and how we can help that to, um, to come to life. But as I say, we don't, so the building is something that we have in our hands, but actually we already have the visitors in our hands as well. And, um, I would love to try and find a way that we make that connection. For 20 years, we've been building this community. And I just feel like this we love has given us time to really work out how best we can then start to have the church right at the heart of the Sandal Centre community. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you to Katrina uh, for sharing that. That was Brilliant, and do do talk to Katrina or to me or to Ricky um, if there's things that are stirring in you there. Um, I was going to finish one way, but I'm going to I'm going to finish a different way just briefly, um, just by reading a couple of verses. That's all I'm going to do to finish. Um, but just just thinking about um, if I can remember where the verse is that I want to read. Um, just just thinking about. Um, the, the example with Violet that I shared earlier of going through a difficult experience and then being able to reach out to someone else going through something similar. I'm just thinking about the example Katrina shared there of those who've experienced uh, premature birth themselves and being helped in that, then wanting to help others uh, who go through it. Um, and I just want to read some verses that, uh, again, again, have been on my mind a lot in recent times as people are going through a lot of anxiety and stress in the current context, the word comfort um, I find really helpful. Um, I'm just going to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can go and read these for yourself maybe this afternoon um, as verses that I think are really helpful right now. Uh, but So from, from near the beginning of 2 Corinthians, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Um, let's pray um, as we, uh, we finish and then we're going to sing together before Billy leads us into communion. Father, I want to thank you for all the ways that you have poured your comfort into our lives, Um, all the ways that as we have experienced um, difficulties and troubles and challenges in our lives, you have met us in that place and poured out kindness and mercy and grace. Um, Father, I want to pray that you would stir in us a desire to to share that same comfort with those around us, to comfort others with the comfort that we have received.
Father, I want to pray that you would show us where the opportunities are for us to do that as we go about our ordinary lives, um, as we move in and out of the building here in the Sandal Centre. Father, show us how we can comfort those who are around us with the comfort we have received. Show us how we can share the love of Christ and the message of Christ uh, with those around us. Um, And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.